Hello, this is Keith James, writer and host of Gus Bibluitz, Basketball Legend. If you like this show, you will love my new book, Greg Maxwell's Inferno, coming out August 10th, 2021, through Humorous Books in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Follow me or Humorous Books on Instagram or Twitter to get more updates on the book. I'll also be putting up Chapter 1 on this feed, so keep your eyes peeled, my little bad boys. And as always, like, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends. Hello, welcome to Gus Bibluitz, Basketball Legend. This is episode five. Uh, we've been on a little little one week break. Uh, sorry, I was I was sick, could barely speak. Uh, but anyways, um, if you if you like this story so far, uh, please tell your friends, uh, like, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, visit our Facebook page, um, where Keith James, uh, Keith James writes, uh, it's a website, uh, where you can find Gus Bibluitz, Super Friends, all of the, uh, <laughs> me-related content, uh, but anyways, uh, without further ado, episode five, Gus Bibluitz, Basketball Legend. Pacers Strip Club is a couple miles away from the Marine Corps base next to the San Diego airport. Friday night is Military Appreciation Night. The drinks are cheap and the cover charge is at a discount. Despite my best efforts, I'm not considered a veteran, so I get none of these perks. No matter how many times I chartered a flight to Afghanistan to fight alongside my American brothers, I will always be considered a danger to the mission, and sometimes a accidental supporter of ISIS. Not all people in ISIS cover their face during war. They don't tell you that. So, there are just guys in camo. So I say, hey, boys, we're all over here. What happened to different teams wearing different jerseys? Military Appreciation Night packs the house with cut, well-trimmed studs who have killed other men. On Military Appreciation Night, I'm just a too-tall hooper with man tits. But this is why I go. Follow me for a second. Despite all the choices I've made in my professional and personal life, I like to think of myself as someone who runs towards adversity. I want to compete with the best. People don't generally... Think of strippers as something you compete over. It's more about money, greenbacks. But what makes Marines and basketball players different from every cut of man is that we don't come to strip clubs with pockets full of cash. We come with open, bleeding hearts ready for dramatic romances. After decades of pulling down millions of dollars per year, I've been able to buy anything I've ever wanted. 
For two weeks in 2000, I owned the state of Delaware. You get to the point where you start owning states and you become numb to solving your problems with a checkbook. At some point in an NBA career, you start looking for something more. A hunger is born. I remember watching Steve Nash and Grant Hill drink each other's blood before a game. Straight from the vein. No IV, no tubes, nothing. At that point, I was a wily 17-year veteran, so I knew what was going on. Just two kids who reached the edge of the world with nothing else to conquer but weird freak shit. I'm a lover. I want complex, galaxy-defying, light-speed dalliances with women who grew up in Ramona or some other weird California countryside. I want them to take sexual graffiti all over my childhood nightmares and shit on the doorstep of my masculine vulnerabilities. I want a cardboard straw kicked up my pee hole. I don't want to drink Grant Hill's blood. That's for Steve Nash. For me, I want the affection and lifelong attention of a stripper. Carmelo Anthony is the exact same way. He could pretend to spend his free time saving an inner-city neighborhood, but I know that his heart palpitates at the thought of a romance amongst the poles of pacers. He's in his mid-thirties, but he's still a kid to me. Like a father who ran out on his son but is seeing him again after multiple decades have passed, I wonder if we'll still have that same spark. Ken Caminetti's heart pulses on my neck. I touch the warm gold. Just be yourself, Gus. A surprising percentage of people love you. I treat myself to a valeted bird scooter for the ride to Pacers. A valeted bird scooter is where I physically assault someone and force them to drive the scooter while I sit on the back. My feet drag and make the ride slower, but it gives me time to think and look at the stars. I read somewhere that what we see when we see stars is actually those stars in the past. Truth be told, I'm not sure if I read that correctly. I mean, if that's true, is everything I look at a past version of the thing I'm looking at? It's hard to ponder these questions while the man I kidnapped begs me to lift my feet up, so I make a quick decision not to believe in stars anymore. Too hard for an old guy like me. Stars. What a crock of shit. Pacers has a line wrapping around the building. It's hard to tell what is a building and what is the broad, ripped back of a U.S. Marine, I say to my bird scooter driver. He asks me if he can go home to his family. I don't give him a straight answer. I may not get a veteran's discount but I'll never wait in line for a strip club. A stripper can tell if you had to wait in line and will lose all respect for you. It's all pheromones. I believe in pheromones. I get in the same way every time. I head around the back where the security guard is blocking the dancer's backstage entrance. I tell the security guard that I need to talk to Megan, that I'm her father. Her mother has been shot. The bullet went through her spine. She's going to live, but she'll never walk again. I need to speak with Megan so we can talk about wheelchairs and wheelchair ramps. 
If the security guard asks any questions, you say this is an active police investigation, so you can't say anything further. I always use the name Megan because it's a common name in the stripper community. Before I get around the back, I hear a familiar voice. It's an active police investigation, so I can't comment any further. Once the investigation closes, I'll allow for Rachel to back brief you. But for now, for now, I say, us two gay dads need to speak to our daughter, Rachel. Carmelo Anthony turns and sees me. <laughs> he has to fight like hell not to crack a smile. I put my arm around him and he holds two of my fingers. The security guard looks stunned. Without saying anything, he opens the door. Carmelo and I slide inside and wait for him to close the door before we break into a fit of giggles. It never gets old. I see you're up to your same dirty tricks, Carmelo says to me. And I see you're still stealing them, I say back. <laughs> we hug like two big dogs. When I pull away, I study Carmelo's face. I can tell he feels my eyes painting over his puffy skin, his glassy eyes, his other perfect features. I'm nervous. This might be my last shot, he says. Strip clubs are forever. You know that. Hush, I say. No, tomorrow, my tryout. This might be my last shot to be in the NBA. My body suddenly knows that this is a good time to think about my own situation, so I seize the opportunity. I'm kind of like that little sexy wheelchair boy in Game of Thrones where every once in a while I'll roll my eyes into the back of my head, but instead of going into a flock of birds, I go deeper into my own insecurities. I can, on occasion, warg into other Jewish NBA players, but that just means I'm warging into TJ Leaf which is just watching an NBA game from the bench, so I don't do it very often. But right now, I'm deep inside myself. My own finish line. Maybe it's watching someone desperately claw outside the NBA's doggy door that makes me realize that I'm about to be pushed out. Or euthanized like one of those older dogs who can no longer make cute videos on YouTube. Every time I got kicked out of the league, I knew it wasn't forever. Even when I was the target of multiple RICO cases. I knew they wouldn't let this prime meat slide into a dumpster. How will I be when my time comes? Will I be sniveling in the back hallway of a strip club in a city that's not mine, hoping to get a good night's sleep so some down-the-bench assistant to the assistant coach can watch me shoot foul shots? Or will I be with Kings, having my name pressed on the back of an Ice Cube certified Big Three jersey, banging bodies with the rugged boys of my past? Never aging, never die. My eyes roll forward. Carmelo is holding Kent Caminetti's heart. Gus, I should take you jewelry shopping. This is a human heart. I snatch the heart out of his hands. It's not just any heart. It's Ken Caminetti's heart. Carmelo rolls his eyes. Not warg style, but regular annoyed style. The day I can stop hearing about Ken Caminetti is the day I'll be happy. 
I can't help but smile. He's still a kid. We make our way down the back hallway that the dancers use to get on stage or into a private room. I feel my blood dance when the shouting and stink of pacers becomes more pronounced. I grew up rich, so I never had the experience of spending my after-school time at a boys and girls club, but this is how I imagined I would feel. Excited. Pacers is packed. Big chunks of meat for men gripping single-dollar bills and big glasses of beer. I could barely hear the DJ through all the labored breathing. Imagine being the lungs on these guys, having to fight to make space between those pecs and rock-hard abs. Forget about it. It doesn't need to be said, but I'll say it anyway. I only sit in private booths. Very rarely will I ever order a drink at the bar. I pay an inexcusable markup for bottle service and various mixers, and I do not share my bottles with anyone else. If I have to do it any other way, I might as well go back to chat roulette and drink mouthwash in the privacy of my own YMCA shower stall. I've never seen an empty private booth at Pacers. The strip club with an empty private booth is the strip club you avoid. So here's the setup. A man who refuses to sit at a poor person's table goes to a club that's never had a private booth available. But here's the catch. The man is me. So what does this man, who is me, do? He makes a booth available. On military appreciation night, you're going to have to engage in physical combat to commandeer a private booth. No two ways about it. On the second Wednesday of every month, they have a magic and mystic night, and everyone who attends is like a fucking sphinx, and if you want a booth on that night, you're either solving riddles or you have to turn a feather into gold. I try to avoid pacers on Wednesdays. But military appreciation night? Get ready to swap paint. Against a rugged marine, I stand no chance. Before I could throw a punch, they're already in my head. They have me on the floor, and they're going through my phone and sending pictures of their hog to any girls I have ever loved, and they're replying back, That's not Gus's hog. That's someone else's hog, and I like that hog. Send me your location. A Navy guy is breakable, but they have friends. The number one thing the Navy teaches you is friendship. They're like those ants that team up and kill a big spider. You can drop one, but before he hits the floor, five of his friends are on your back. Air Force guys aren't really an issue because they do not go to strip clubs, and Army guys usually can't afford to be in a strip club. If I was trying to get a private table at IHOP, I'd keep my eyes out for some Army guys, but this ain't an IHOP. The ones you want to go for are the National Guard guys. Normally, these guys are your regular Joe Schmoes. Maybe a fire breaks out in the mountains. They get called in. Maybe they do a good job, save a couple lives. They start feeling pretty good. Why not celebrate? Really do it up. Next thing they know, they find themselves at a Pacers, drinking vodka cranberries, working up the nerve to ask for a hand job in the private booth I want to be in. And I ain't a forest fire. I'm a real problem. (laughs) 
All it takes is one National Guard guy to get punched clean through his face to send a message. The branches of the military are like my children. Some children, if needed, are easier to fight than others. I crouch down as Carmelo and I walk through the aisles. I'm looking for a man, short man, Rocky Hanatancho. Rocky keeps the whole operation moving. He knows everyone who steps foot in Pacers. He's like a shitty Terry Benedict from Ocean's Eleven. He's the guy who knows who's who in the private booths. Spotted. Short little bastard. Buff. All muscle. He's like a little chicken nugget with power. All types of power. Rocky! I call out to him. He acknowledges me with a bow. Real Terry Benedict stuff. Hello, Mr. Biblowitz. Looking for some fire heroes to punch good and hard. You got them? Had them, Mr. Biblowitz. The National Guard booth has already been taken in similar fashion. I have a half booth that is occupied by Coast Guard men, if that is agreeable to you. Half booth? <laughs> no chance. Me and Mello are the size of two men each. I don't want to be touching knees with him while I'm trying to get my manic romance on. Also, I'm not sure what the Coast Guard is. I've never seen a coast in danger. Could mean that these are some bad sons of bitches. But the National Guard booth. Someone already drove them out. I look at Mello. Mello looks at me. He's worried. It's not just somebody. We know who it is. Jesus. Not tonight. Any night but tonight. If we don't see him, he'll come see us, I say to Mello. He nods like a fat, scared baby. I turn to Rocky. When we get back, point us towards the National Guard booth. We make a quick trip to the bar to get a couple lava flows in. Liquid Hawaiian Courage. I keep having to remind Mello that everything's going to be okay, that he can't hurt you. I know Mello can't hear me right now. He's got lava flow all over his shirt. Poor kid. Once I feel my words slur a little bit, I know we're ready to go. We make the walk from the bar back to Rocky Hanatancho to show us to the private booths. I walk tall and shirtless because I give Mello my shirt. My heaving breasts bounce with an uptight rhythm. I feel the Caminetti heartbeat. It's smooth, slow. Ked loved pacers. Rocky Hanatancho points me to the National Guard booth. I see him, hanging with a few friends and a whole lot of women. I can only see the back of his head, but I know it's him. Fur coat, weird Coachella-style hat, the elastic band of eye goggles pulling tight on the back of his skull. Amari Stoudemire. I played with him in Phoenix. He played with Mello in New York. In Phoenix, he was young. I thought he was my new Mello. I took him under my wing. He picked up the baller lifestyle quickly. Too quickly. His nightlife powers became unmatched. It became impossible to get into clubs because Amare would shut him down, drank all the alcohol and humped everyone in sight, left nothing for the rest of the team. 
I remember when Raja Bell spoke up for the team. Amare took a phone book and beat him so bad he pissed himself. No bruises. That Suns team was the closest I came to a championship. But Amare happened. He left free agency to join Mello in New York. Hundred million in the Big Apple. It's like giving a ten-year-old an Xbox headset. Bad things are going to happen. Get the fuck out of my booth, Amare. You don't say hi to a 50-foot tidal wave. No, you saying it to Amare Stoudemire. Gus, wow. It's really great to see you again, man. This did not come from Amare. It came from a strangely small and familiar head. What are you doing here, Harrison Barnes? Didn't your team go back to Sacramento? The plane left without me, but that's okay, because if I was on that plane, I wouldn't be here with this round table of basketball legends that includes me. Harrison, your head is too small for you to ever be considered a great basketball player or person. I have no time for a pithy comeback. I tell Harrison how it is. He pretends like he fell asleep and didn't hear me say what I said, but tears are falling down his face. I don't care. It's close enough to what I wanted. Amare keeps his eyes on me. He folds one thin leg over another. I go by stat. Stat. A stupid nickname he gave to himself to stand out amongst Grant Hill and Steve Nash. No one calls you stat, I say. Yeah, Mello says behind me. He says it softly, just loud enough to catch Amare's attention. You used to call me Stat. Amare's eyes widen, swallowing Mellow whole. Remember? No dinner until Stat- Oh, shut the fuck up, I interject. I'm not here for dom-sub-torture erotica. I'm here for a booth. Hey, Gus. You know who calls me Stat? Amare's legs are uncrossed now. He's leaning forward with his legs spread out wide. The big three. Ice Cube. That's the name on my big three jersey. Stat. He knows every button to push. I feel my stomach get sick. Hot pricks of anger light up my face. I'm out here relaxing before the third season starts. We play in San Diego in one week. I can try and get you some tickets or see if you can pass out some flyers in the parking lot. Something cool like that. It's great that I was asked to do it at such a young age. Still got this sick, ripped body. Don't have to run a lot during the games because it's half court. Shit, Gus. I might be playing for a long time. A feeble voice comes from behind me. Just give us the booth, Amari. You can go anywhere. You're big three. You don't have to be here, Mello says. Amari looks at Mello like a man who no longer needs to see the dinner menu because he knows exactly what he's going to eat. Carmelo Anthony, a la carte. 
You're right, Mellow. I am Big Three. I'm very Big Three. I noticed you didn't get a call for this season. So that makes you nothing? Unless, oh, fuck. Unless, are you in San Diego for a tryout? No, man, I'm, I'm just shooting foul shots, that's all. Mello's face is swollen and red. Where old tears were, new tears are following in their footsteps. Amare shakes his head. Some of the dancers laugh and say, Aww. The well has been poisoned. The only women who will be into Mello are some of the cocktail waitresses. Maybe the coat rack lady. This night is ruined. I tell you what. Amare gets up to make himself a cool bottle service drink. You can have this booth. I'm not here to ruin anyone's night. Phew, I'm relieved. For a second there, I thought he was going to demand that we... I just need one thing. Uh-oh. Mello, I need you to ask Daddy Stat to give it to you. I need you to beg Daddy Stat to give you his booth so you can rest your little legs. No! I scream. This goes beyond romance and mixed drinks. This is one man taking the soul of another man. This is dunking without a ball or a hoop. And if Mello calls him Daddy Stat, if he gets on his knees and paws at Amare's legs and begs for our booth, Mello will be done for. Forget the NBA, forget the big three. Mello won't be able to play on a little over-the-door hoop with some sick kid, for fuck's sake. He'll be finished. Just some wispy old man in a nightgown waiting for Daddy Stat to drop off some canned goods. He'll be... Oh, Jesus Christ. He'll be Sean Marion. I charge at Amare. I make it up the third step when a fist with a Dallas Mavericks ring lights up my world. Everything goes white. I don't feel myself hit the ground. I'm sitting in a handicapped shower. Somewhere. A mix of Pearl Jam and Nirvana songs are playing not too far away. I look down at my hands. These are not my hands. These hands are pure girth. My left hand is shaking. My right hand is gripped hard on a crack pipe. Another hand reaches for the pipe. Quick. Let me have some of that motherfucker. I need to get up for this shit. I follow the voice to a face. I recognize the face. Sort of. Brown skin. Thick eyebrows. A formidable goatee. Julio Veris? I, I almost can't get the words out. I, I recognize the voice. My voice. Well, not mine. You're freaking out, homie. You ready to do this? Culvio motions to a pillowcase that I can only assume is filled with D batteries. That motherfucker isn't going to miss our throws again. He takes a cool hit of crack and springs up. I get up too. The whole room is filled with steam or, I don't know, maybe the world is hazy? I, I don't know. I follow Q into what looks like an empty locker room. One person, 
a bald, white person was putting on a pair of loose Levi jeans. Hey, boys. Heck of a game today. Sorry I couldn't make a couple of those digs. I was thinking about my daughters and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I am a member of. Fuck you, Wally Joyner, Cuvio Veris says. We swing our pillowcases. Wally gets lost in a fountain of blood. Everything goes white. I wake up on a moving conveyor belt at the San Diego airport. I am naked amongst other baggage. I look at my hands. These are 100% grade A Gus hands. I hang out on the conveyor belt. I feel like shit, so it's nice to wake up and be lazy. A small hand reaches for my ankle. I kick it. Another hand pulls me by my hair. I knock that hand away with a forearm. This time, two big hands grab me under my armpits and yank me off the conveyor belt. I look up. Oh, fuck. Corey! Glad you made it home. Uh, I hope I wasn't too early for your flight. Dad, I came home eight hours ago. We are picking you up. You went on a round trip to San Jose last night. What the fuck? Corey looks at the two children who were grabbing my naked body. Boys? Meet Grandpa. Okay. That was episode five of the Gus Biblowitz Basketball Legends series. Again, if you like it, leave a review. Throw down them five stars. Check out my website, keithjameswrites.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, sweetpuppy42. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, which is at uh, Keith James, but the E's are threes. Um, and also, uh, want to give a quick shout out to the Super Friends podcast. Uh, wasn't on it last week, but we're going over the Hannah B. Uh, Bachelorette series. It's a lot of fun. Uh, anyways, look forward to sharing next week chapter six of the Gus Biblowitz basketball legend series. <laughs>